0: I like the House of the Dragon, but I'm like annoying as shit about it because I always ask Anna what's going on. I don't remember
1: anything. It's just that why do the guys that are coming to clean up town always have to be such bad guys? Why can't good guys clean up the town? It's like, you know, Giuliani. You clean up the town, but you're like a bad guy. You turn into a White Walker.
0: Welcome to People vs. Algorithms, a new podcast dedicated to detecting patterns in media, business, and culture. I'm Brian Morrissey, host of my own podcast and newsletter called The Rebooting, where I cover how to build sustainable media businesses. Each week, I'll be joined by Troy Young, writer of the People vs. Algorithms newsletter, and a longtime media executive who was most recently the president of Hearst Magazines, where he led the transformation of that company. I've known Troy for a good 15 years, and I can honestly say he's one of the best thinkers about the media business out there. This is a pilot episode, so the show will morph and change, but the general idea is Troy and I will discuss five things of note from the week across media, business, and culture. Be sure to send feedback. You can email me at bmrc at gmail, and I will pass along any of the nice notes to Troy. Hope you enjoy. I have one complaint, and maybe it's like stupid. My wife told me it was stupid. But this is set 174 years, I believe, previous to, mm-hmm. like, the Game of Thrones. Yep. Shouldn't the technology be like, shouldn't you be like, oh, are they, like, dressed different? Or they have different, like, levels of technology? Or is in this world, is, like, is everything just constant at all times other than, like, you know, dragons?
1: I don't know. I think the pace of technolo- technological change accelerated recently.
0: Because like so yeah, they always... they would have had
1: flip phones, and we and then in you know the others would have had iPhones.
0: Well, the thing with Game of Thrones is like they it's like the Middle Ages, but they have like elevators.
1: That bugged me about Dune as well, and my son was super big on the most recent Dune thing, and I thought, it's like they have incredible warships and all this tech, and they can do crazy stuff, but they fight with swords. Stop it! That's not how things would work. Yeah. And Alex is going to nerd out and tell me that I've got it all wrong because you need the the swords to pierce the armor, blah, blah, blah. But that's just like super nerdy and stupid.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> you Well, it seems like you called that one. <laughs> but I think they struggle with all these shows with how to handle technology, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: It's funny, I just got off a phone call with these guys. NFT launches represent an opportunity for a group of people to get together around anywhere from a facile, superficial, horrible piece of art. To something more meaningful that's minted on the blockchain they all become owners and as such it is i would say in like a niche media community and you have this group of people that have a shared interest that communicate etc and presumably they share other things like point of view potentially values they certainly mm-hmm. share economic interests right <laughs> and so I, I i found an example of that in my my travels with my friend Ben Cohen you know he he sort of said we're building this thing killer bears and my friend Alex who's helping us out here on the podcast was sort of i would say had some thoughtful comments and uh, they were incredible, actually, and and it it all transpired in text over a couple of days with Alex and I, where he was saying, you know, starting with the characters and economic interests is getting this backwards, we're losing the kind of beauty, poetry, romance of storytelling, that he felt like a lot of this was just economic self-interest in as such very cynical and, and that he thought in many ways that the NFT movement, particularly the kind of profit motives around it were a disservice to a lot of things that he feels are important. And so I, I, first of all, I represented the, I I tried to distill what Alex had said into kind of a a pyramid of what makes community, right? Starting with, you know, shared economic interests like a membership or NFT or membership in a club. Above that would be, Shared interests and then point of view, and then shared work. And then after that, um, uh, sh- shared shared values, because I think values are probably the deepest thing. Um, anyway, and yeah. uh, that's what and and I think that all of that, because people, as you know, Brian, people use the word community recklessly. They do because, and then I think it turned this might out be an
0: instance where it's being used recklessly.
1: Well, I used it recklessly in two ways. One is I positioned it as the sort of antidote to the evil algorithm, because algorithm is a machine versus community is a connected group of people. So I thought that was an interesting juxtaposition, and mm-hmm. then I connected it to some superficial sort of packaged goods work. One that I would highlight is this project called Vacation. Which is oh, like yeah. a, a sunscreen company, and it and it was born kind of out of this streaming service and little creative experiment called poolsuite.fm, I think it was called Brian. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that was the community topic.
0: Yeah. No. I mean, I I like that. the problem that I find with a lot of these like NFT examples. Not to go down to Web three corner, but. Um, is if you pull out the speculation, there's no community ninety percent of the time, maybe ninety five percent of the time. But and there's energy. Is there? Is there and still energy. energy in these communities now that the? Well, the there's energy tanked?
1: in people that have shared ownership and, in something, and I think you can turn that into something bigger. Listen, uh, you all, ha- you all, Here's my here's my line to Ben. At some point, you gotta make the song. You gotta write the song. You can't just have we own an NFT together. You gotta write the song. The song could be a movie, it could be a fashion line, it could be a TV show, whatever it is. You gotta write the song. You need something.
0: Everything to me is, you know, arbitrage. People just try to arbitrage reputations, brands and stuff like this. And this, a couple of weeks ago, I wrote about financialization because I've been like reading a lot about it. And I just feel like this is, I sort of turned against Web3 for this reason is because um, it was very late to turning against it. Um because we can't financialize everything, because it really sucks humanity out of, which is surprising to me that you're so into the Web3 stuff, because like it doesn't fit with the people versus algorithm thing, as far as I'm concerned. Because like the financialization Well, the people of, versus
1: al- algorithms doesn't mean that the people win. <laughs> it doesn't true. mean that I'm for the people. Oh, you're not? Well, I might
0: be, but I'm not saying, the title doesn't give it away. Oh, it depends who's paying. Um, And usually the algorithms pay better, but like you can't financialize everything in life and every sort of relationship and stuff like this. And I just feel that, um, you know, a lot of like the people running a a lot of the biggest companies now are no longer like the actual makers, they're takers. And, you know, Apple... Tim Cook has done an amazing job. He's a supply chain genius, all this stuff like this. But Apple, he's taking, like, a brand that really meant something and that Steve Jobs built and, and gave meaning to it. And he's he's doing the spreadsheet stuff. And, like, you can see them coasting on that brand with this privacy nonsense that, that they're saying that privacy is a human right and stuff like this. And meanwhile... Behind the scenes, they're acting like a mob boss to like Facebook being like, that's a really great, you know, ad business. It'd be a shame if something happens to it. Maybe let us wet our beak a little bit. And to me, it just shows the hollowness that exists in a lot of these companies. That's it.
1: You know what I think it is? And and, and actually, I would appreciate... uh, Sometimes you are, but the... the, uh... What I would would say on this one is in every company's life cycle, at some point they proclaim we will never be an advertising business because it's off-putting. And, you know, you have to, you know, do the evil dance with the people that buy advertising from you and all the compromises that are related to it, et cetera. And then you wake up and you realize that that it's just pretty much everything in our world is a game of attention and funneling attention. And you look over at Amazon, which is a commerce company, and you're Apple and you're a commerce company, a product and commerce company. And you say to yourself, geez, they lit up advertising on top of this thing, which is just kind of prioritizing how they present products. And my God, it's all margin and it's as big as the cloud business. And we need to be part of that because we're running out of growth opportunities. And I'm a public company CEO, and I already optimized the supply chain, and we got the services business going, and we don't have our new, uh, you know, headset and the watch. Oh wait, wait. So, so
0: you could actually invent new shit that people want, like which is what Apple used to do.
1: I have had Apple as the bigger part of my life than my (laughs) wife. Okay, the the Apple has been. Part of my daily routine since, like, I don't know, nineteen.
0: Do you do you honestly feel some sort of emotional, te- like, connection to, like, a, a phone?
1: Massive, sure, of course. Seriously,
0: it you, you mean? What I is thought it mean I thought agency connection? people just made that shit up. I didn't think they actually believed it.
1: No, I'm very grateful to Apple for all that they've contributed to my life. Seriously?
0: Yeah. Wow, uh, I could care less. Okay, go get an Android phone then. I, I will, um, like I fine. I wouldn't like but like it to me it's just utilitarian. Like I, it's like, yeah, like you know, there's still
1: there's still great craft in everything they do. They still make great things. I appreciate Apple. Thank you, Apple. But you know, like <laughs> everybody, they're full of shit. This ad stuff is bullshit. You're right about the private privacy stuff. And also, now that if you're gonna wind me up a little bit, Alex and there Brian. Um, the nicorette's I, kicking in. Oh, that's that's I actually just had one. I think what we should do is, is I think I think we're gonna do nicorette, nicorette. these are Canadian Nicorettes. So you can't get these in the U.S. Oh, yeah, it's
0: the good stuff.
1: Um, <laughs> we should do nicorette corner, Troy's nicorette corner, Saskatoon I'm so nicorette. Addicted to nicorette, it's not even funny. Um, I spend more on nicorette
0: than I spend on Apple products, um, but. You should feel more of an emotional attachment to Nicorette than you do to Apple products. Because they literally make you feel something.
1: On the Facebook thing, Alex gets very emotional about Facebook because he thinks they're basically the root of all evil. And he has, I don't want to speak for Alex, actually. Um, I thought that something that maybe annoyed some people this week was that they just outright said, okay, well, looks like be real is getting traction. We'll just copy it. And you know, I, I think that, you know, every big company does that. I, my take on that is this is iterative innovation is very easy for big companies creating new surfaces, new ideas, new products, really kind of net new innovation is very, very difficult for big companies. Um, and, uh, and I think that, that Mark and co understand that. And, you know, listen, uh, maybe a bad example, but like if you're running McDonald's and Burger King is doing crispy chicken and it's selling like hotcakes, like you're going to do crispy chicken. And so, you know, someone did crispy chicken with be real and Instagram said, that's just a little feature. We'll add that. No problem. You guys can come and take a picture at two, at and um,
0: so that's what they did this week but it's I think that um, I have some but that's pretty that... common isn't that across like all industries like I think about it like the pharmaceutical industry and like of course like, it's common they, they, they do they do R&D and stuff like this but most of the stuff is like people break off they do their own biotech firms and then they can't possibly manufacture distribute and market globally so they partner or sell to the you know, pharmaceutical the companies about,
1: the whole thing is about cognitive dissonance that's what it's about so we were all there when they created the news feed. They thought it was cool. It was a way to pump more information into the interface, which was p- before that about connecting profiles. They started getting outsiders to feed content into that. They had created a kind of a system of, you know, uh, you know user-generated um, acknowledgement, reward, etc., which influenced the feed. Obviously, they started moving to algorithmic stuff. It was an incredibly good ad business. And, you know, at the same time, you were telling the world, if either you were Mark Zuckerberg or senior management or anybody working at Facebook, that you were connecting the world, that you were making the world a better place because connection is good. And then it wasn't. So, you know, I don't think, I listen, if I went to college with Zuckerberg, I would just think, oh, my God, that's not a guy I'm going to hang out with. He's annoying, and I don't like his haircut. And, <laughs> um, but, you know, I think he's an extremely confident operator. He's, you know, really smart. I just don't think he's, I think it's too easy just to say they're evil.
0: It, it, it just, they're not evil. I think the question ends up being, are they particularly evil, or are they just the same evil as, like, just about every, because, again, like, Apple, you can love them as much as you want, but they seem just as evil as the other guys to me, just in a different way. Um but maybe not. Well so th-
1: yeah, it's right. Like is it evil to charge someone twenty nine ninety-five for like a one dollar adapter?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> I mean it's not innovative. And that's why there's regulation in Europe and stuff like this, because it's bullshit. It's anti consumer and they, they claim to be consumer centric. And like unfortunately, like governments have to force them to just do basic common sense things that any consumer would want. but Yeah, I mean, I think
1: that it's an opportunistic play because um, you absolutely are sitting in a place where you can funnel attention and demand and make money without really compromising the brand or the business.
0: At the end of the day, most of these businesses, particularly when it comes to like, on the ad side, they're just like toll booth businesses. They own a highway and they put up toll booths. And... They collect on that. If you're, you know, Google just collects, is just the tax at the end of the day on anyone doing business, like on the internet. Have you been following these viral videos of young people who work at these big tech companies?
1: No, oh, that sounds interesting. <laughs> I'd like to see that.
0: <laughs> it's like their day in the life of like working at a big tech company. It's like, Oh, I got snacks. Then I was like, I went, I did emails for like an hour. Then we had a lunch event and all this stuff. And then on the other hand, you have the tech CEO saying, we've got to buckle down. We've got productivity problems and stuff. And I, I'm convinced that so much of their business is just the fact that they've erased competition and they don't need probably 35, 40% of the people that they have
1: anyway. Um, Google redesigned Gmail. It's, better slightly. I think that Google makes some great products and some great software and continues to do that, but I agree with you. I think that there, these are, let's be honest, Brian, these are enormously efficient and profitable businesses. And if you control the access point to the open internet and you have an effective system for monetization, you could run that literally with a thousand people and it is the greatest ATM of all time. So yeah. When I went to Google one day, there was really a really nice curry table. And that day they had the special was crab legs. And um, they were, oh, it was just totally bountiful. And uh, the crab legs were delicious, but, you know, hard to eat at lunch in the cafeteria. So I passed on mm-hmm.
0: them. <laughs> what do you mean hard to eat in the cafeteria? Why is that hard?
1: It's just messy, you know. I don't want to put a bib on and have lunch at Google.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough.
1: Shout out to the Gen Zs. Love you all.
0: I think that I, I like... You the, Gen, I, the
1: recognition I, you deserve. Gen X is the new grid generation. Yeah. Gen X are the... They're literally the best. Because the thing is, is that you had to build real grit and personality because your parents basically abandoned
0: you. Exactly. But also, yeah. we were the last generation to grow up analog. I think that has a major impact,
1: you know what? That reminds oh, me. I just went and watched a season of Six Million Dollar Man. Uh, <laughs> do, you do, yeah. do you remember that? You know, yeah. it, it was good. My favorite thing is when Oscar Goldman removes his glasses.
0: I don't he remember does it it that from, much. He does it
1: from the side. He, he turns his chair around. <laughs> I can do it for the, t- the people. On <laughs> like this on a chair, and I don't like this. He spins around, and he goes, Steve. And he pulls them from the side like that and it's uh but he he has aviators actually he oh, has yeah. also gother anyway he it's a it's a it's a pretty good show i'd recommend if there's anyone listening to this podcast that you watch it.
0: <laughs> okay <laughs>
1: I was just in Saskatchewan, where I'm from, and I had the good fortune to hang out with my wife's parents, and they're great people. But I can't seem to convince them to dump their cable box. And for the amount of TV they watch, they ought to optimize it better than they do. My son was in, was furious with them. He said, "You cannot have this TV. I could get you a better one for a hundred bucks on Facebook Marketplace." But anyway, they suffer through commercials because it's what they know and when i had watched six million dollar man i had to watch it on peacock and i had to watch all the commercials because i don't think i subscribed to peacock or something like that and it was they put a little timer in the bottom to tell you that you're gonna watch (laughs) five minutes of
0: commercials oh i mean that's never a good sign
1: no you're taking five minutes of my life stop it no way.
0: Although YouTube sort of normalized that with the countdown. Yeah,
1: but they're skippable. Those ones are better. You can skip those ones. YouTube did a great job on ad products. We could, go, I could talk a lot about this. I think it's the single biggest innovation on YouTube is the way they've done ads. Very
0: You're not good. still bitter about them stealing your ad product idea?
1: <clears throat> no, I just want... You know, I just think it's important with people like you that, that recognize that... See, I still back, remember. I still Alex remember. Alex can back me up on this. I... I did create that format in video, Alex. I believe the one that sits at the bottom, although it was derivative of what you put in broadcast graphics. Right? We called it the ticker ad, I think, at the time. That's right. And and then um, the engagement ad. Yeah, I did. I did a lot of innovative ad things. That, I uh, yeah, I
0: did. Yeah, and then Google- In fact,
1: I would also argue that all of those ads that are being done by who's that? What's his face's company? You know that does the little rich media pop-ups on mobile phones. Harry's Cargo? Company, Cargo, yeah. We did those ads like way, 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 way before those guys. We just got bored of it and, and basically destroyed the business trying to do something else. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sounds a lot We should have just done
1: that. I mean, honestly. Just skip had just to the done end. that, I wouldn't probably be in my yurt right now. I'd be
0: in a better <laughs> yurt,
1: Way better <laughs>
0: <yurt>. <laughs> that, isn't that, Doesn't yeah. that suck, right? Like you get to the point where you can like have a yurt at your place, but then like you want like a bigger yurt. It's such a yeah, scam.
1: It is a scam. I don't know. I'd actually don't want for much, to be honest. I think it'd be cool to have like a large boat.
0: But something short of a yacht. I you, I saw this thing that, that um, even with inflation and with the, the pressures and stuff like this, boat sales have, have, and both prices have like held up. Like they have not gone down. Like you see, like all the other prices starting to come down, but not boats.
1: Well, you know what they say about boats: two best days. Day you get it, day you sell it.
0: Yeah, you know what the thing for billionaires is these days is to have a submarine. That's cool, but that's not very social, is it? Have you met? You've met billionaires. <laughs> yeah lots of them but you, I'm they're weirdos they're all weirdos to go all under the water
1: like okay we're gonna get five people together and we're gonna go into the basement I mean it's creepy
0: yeah but it's like I don't know if you have like that much you know money you do things like you you buy a submarine I, 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 I'm I just wondering what you
1: do down there are you playing cards what are you doing
0: it's like, taking people on trip You're, but can you see out.
1: outside can you can you see whales and fish and all kinds of stuff
0: I think so. I've never been on a submarine. I was supposed to go on a submarine in Cannes, um, and that's how I know about the billionaires owning submarines because it was some like oceanographic research um, ship that I was on, but unfortunately the currents or something weren't, weren't good, and so we couldn't go on the submarine. Uh, but the guy, the researcher, was like, yeah, like I'm always just trying to borrow submarines because all the billionaires own them.
1: Like, well, hopefully you got crudité and central pay.
0: So, final thing, I want to talk about the end of the endless summer because I do think that there is a shift happening right now. Don't call it a vibe shift, which is that once Labor Day hits, we're going to have a few things that happen. You know, the boss class is going to crack down three days a week in the office. They're not going to get back to five days a week. And things are going to get a lot more serious. We've already seen like a lot of tech companies saying that, you know, pushing on the productivity front. And then on, the other side, we have the reaction of this idea, this made-up, probably, trend of quiet quitting, which is the idea that you do only your job and nothing more, and it's a reaction against hustle culture. Do you think this is fair? Is this all, is this all made up? Or do you, do you think that it's like we're, we're going to see this shift back?
1: Uh, um, <clears throat> I don't really buy the reaction to hustle culture stuff because uh, I think people still hustle. I think people want to build... Careers and get rich and make new things and all that. Yeah, uh, doesn't go away. I think that, um, I think that we have gone through a fundamental uh, shift in work culture, though. And I actually am cheering for it because I think it's good for people, and I think it's actually you can log from home a good solid six hours and have an incredibly different day. Than getting on the subway, you know, spending that hour doing your eight at work, getting home, dealing with your colleagues, all that, and I don't think productivity suffers.
0: From, wait, wait. So wait, let me just, let me just jump in. Like, from whose perspective are you saying that? Because I think a lot of people cover from, from the, the world's like...
1: perspective. From the world's perspective, I think that as long as there's ways for you to connect to your colleagues, I think that you can, you know, you can still build a productive enterprise. And reconstruct our idea of what it means to, to kind of be a full-time employee. So I'm cheering for, I'm cheering for a kind of hybrid solution that's lasting. And, um, I think that those employees that get all sort of indignant and say, you know, I will never go back to the office or I'll quit then they'll quit, whatever. And you know, companies will figure out what their, their new baseline is, but I'm for it. I'm for the hybrid thing. I think it's better for people, better for families, better for the world. Look, I sound like fucking Scott Gallagher. Very progressive. And, very progressive. Uh, um, you have at and, least what?
0: You have one kid in the workforce or two kids in the
1: workforce? My son's about to get a job at a cafe. He's I an artist. Just, He's a musician. He's doing that
0: stuff. I have two kids. In, oh, my daughter work is working right now on Shelter Island. But like, do you advise them to go to the office if they had like a white collar job?
1: Would I advise them to go? To, I wouldn't advise them at that level. <laughs> I would advise them more on a spiritual level.
0: Oh, that's good. Um, mm. All right, we got to leave it there because I have to sell. What are you talking about? We never got to all the good topics. Hey, what's that stuff that <laughs> oh. comes? In the, what's that stuff
1: that comes in the can? It's it's got caffeine. It's not. Is it matcha? No, not matcha. Um, it comes in that can. It's got kind of a yellow packaging. Yeah, it's but it's not tea. It's something, Brian. You know what it is. I don't know. I
0: have to go. Yerba mate. Continue the te- Brian.
1: Just wait one minute, okay? <laughs> the good product of the week is going to be yerba mate, the passion fruit blend. A little pricey at well, at the local IGA here, it's I think almost six dollars, but it's um, incredibly refreshing. It gives you a nice little pick you up. It has very little sugar, and I would I think it's the product of the week.
0: Troy, I'm going to look for it at, I don't think we have that in in Miami Beach, but I'm going to look for it. Yerba Monte, you have
1: it for sure, by the way. Really? I think you can find it. Yes.
0: Okay. Awesome. Let's leave it there because I got to talk without brain. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening and special thanks to Alex Schleifer, who in addition to being a recurring character on this podcast is our creative partner on this project. Audio production and theme by Universal Entities. Quick reminder, please do send me your feedback. Uh, Send it to bmrc at gmail.com.